the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God is indwelling. So he's already telling you. And so some of you, maybe, for some of you, he's saying, we're good. Everything's great. For most of us, we hear a message like this. And we see areas of our life where we need to be more led by the Spirit. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Does God really speak to me? Can he do that? Yeah. And in fact, there's three general ways in my life that the Holy Spirit has spoken to me when I'm, when I'm trying to make a big decision. Sometimes I'm making the, the decision and, and I have a peace that this is okay. It's of God. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit's tapping me on the back and saying, pushing me along. It's okay. Go ahead. I, I call that God's go. He's saying, go ahead. Do that. I, I'm all right. You're in step with me. But I don't always feel God's go. Christ follower, have you ever sought to make a decision and, and you wanted to make a decision that honored God? You wanted it to be within his will and you started to step forward and you like, oh, I don't, this doesn't feel right. This does not feel right. What is that? That's God's no. Don't do it. Remember protection? So the spirit of God is speaking to me saying, don't do that. That's not a good decision. And if I'm living led by the Spirit, if I'm walking in the Spirit of God, I'm listening, and I don't do it. And then that peace resumes in my life. Sometimes, it's not God's go or God's no. Sometimes I get God's, whoa, just hold up, big boy. You're, you're getting ahead of me. Someone has said the greatest way to slow things down in your life is to get ahead of God. And, and so maybe God's saying, it's not that I'm against it. It's not that I'm never going to do this. But you're pursuing this in your own strength or in your own way. And it's not of me. So maybe it's a, a, a single adult who desires to be married. And that's the desire of their heart. And they're seeking after God. And they, they want to marry someone and, and they found someone they're attracted to and yet that person's not living a life that's parallel with theirs, walking in right relationship with God. They're not a follower of Christ and that's what the Bible would call being unequally yoked and, and so yet they want to be married. Remember, have I said that? They really want to be married and so they're being led not by the Spirit but by their desires and they step forward and they mess things up. And sometimes God would say, just wait. Remember, waiting time is not wasted time. Just wait on the Lord. Oh, I, I pray that you're listening to the Spirit of God and, and letting God speak to you. And, and let me just remind you, there are two general ways that the Spirit of God speaks to you. I, I, I read this morning um, the story of Elijah again from 
God's word in First Kings, and uh, Elijah had just had a real big victory. <laughs> and what I've learned is all after those moments of victory, we often get discouraged. I don't, I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. But often after you've seen something, God do something really big, you get real discouraged. So Elijah had just experienced a big victory. And you know the very next thing it says he did in the Bible? He, he went and sat down under this tree. And this is what he prayed. Not, thank you, God, for the victory. Thank you for showing everybody that you're the one true God. Thank you for using me even though I'm unworthy. No, he didn't pray any of those things. He said, God, would you just kill me and let's get it over with. Just do it right now. And that's depression, isn't it? By the way, that's how you feel when you're depressed. I would just, I would rather be dead than just go on feeling like this. And so God said, no, that's not the plan, big boy. We're going we're gonna to straighten things out. I, I want you to go. I'm going to meet you over here in this cave. So uh, Elijah goes to the cave. And this is what it says in the Bible. He was thinking that God would appear to him in some majestic way, like maybe in a big fire. And, and he knew the scripture. So he knew that Moses had followed the cloud and, and he had followed the fireball. So maybe God would appear in the fire, or maybe God would show up in the earthquake as the earth trembled. But those things happened, but God was not there. And then it says that God came to him in a still, small voice. Do you know that God can still speak to you that way? He can speak to you. We call that illumination. He speaks into your life and, and says, kind of like what we said a moment ago, hey, don't do that, or hey, do this, or hold on, or maybe just gives you a sense of his presence. But you know the number one way the Spirit of God speaks to you? I'm holding it. That's why I tell you to always have your copy of God's Word. Because when he speaks to us in those small voices, that's illumination, but it's never going to contradict what he's already given us, which is his revelation. God's not giving you new revelation. He's already revealed it all. You understand that, right? And so we've got the Bible, the perfect word of God. You say, I thought that was written by men. It was written by men. But listen to what scripture says. It was written by men of God as what? As the Holy Spirit spoke. So you want to see what the Spirit has to say to you? Then open the scriptures. I was all over the scriptures this morning. I was in First uh, Kings, and, and then uh, I, I was uh, in, the, in the New Testament. I'm stalling because I'm trying to remember where I was in the New Testament this morning. That was a long time ago. I was in Philippians. I was in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, and then I, I went back to Ezekiel, which has been a long book. I've been in Ezekiel a long time. And, and then I went to the Psalms, read two chapters of Psalms, and then I went to Proverbs. And in every one of those passages, God spoke. In Kings, he reminded me of the story. I just read that this morning. And so I got to share it with you about what happened with Elijah. When I went to Philippians, I read what I just shared with you this morning. That he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. Yes. Then I went to Ezekiel and I just heard that thus saith the Lord, the sovereign God, he's constantly working again and again and again and again. And then I went to the psalm and the psalm reminded me that God picked me up from the pit and he places my feet on solid ground. And then I went over into Proverbs, and I read a proverb a day. So I got to Proverbs uh, chapter, what are we, 16? And, and I, I was reminded that I make my plans, but God directs my steps. You understand, when you open the Bible, God speaks to you. That's how you live the Spirit-led life. 
I'm going to just ask you today, are, are you, is your life being led by the Spirit of God? And just go through a quick inventory at, at home. Is your home life being led by the Spirit of God? Is your work life being led by the Spirit of God? Is, is your education, is your school life being led by the Spirit of God? Is your marriage being led by the Spirit of God? Is your faith life being led by the Spirit of God? I can tell you, I'll just be honest. For most people that gather together, even their faith life is not being led by the Spirit of God. Because you're, you're not giving generously, for example. Or you're not worshiping in spirit and truth. Or you're not obeying the command of Jesus, the Great Commission, to go and to tell others and make disciples. So you see, the Spirit of God should be so pervasive in our life that every area of our life is led by His Spirit. So if, if I'm hearing the Word of God today and I'm feeling some of that correction, even before the pastor gets to the end, I want to begin to say, God, I need to make some adjustments. There are areas of my life that are not being led by your spirit. When the spirit lives in us, we have a new focus. We're led by the spirit. Secondly, when the spirit lives in us, we have a new family. Aren't you thankful for the family of God? When I was growing up, we had Sunday night church. Sunday night church, after church, we'd gather around, we'd hold hands, and we'd spread out across the sanctuary, everybody hold hands, and we'd sing this. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And you'd look around and you'd see that. But did you know in our church, it's even more exciting? Because uh, there's a lot of people in the family of God that don't look like me. For example, this morning, listen carefully, wake up. If you are here and you were not born in the United States of America, would you just stand up right now? If you're here and you were not born in the United States of America, can you hear me in the back? If you were here, Pastor Zach, and you're not born in the United States of America, would you please stand up? That's the family of God. Notice what it says in verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about by your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, one of the first things we see in this passage, I just have to address quickly. It becomes clear not everybody's a child of God. And that rocks some of your world because you got your theology from Oprah rather than the scriptures. We're not all a child of God. You become a child of God when you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The spirit of God indwells you and you become a child of God. John 1 verse 12 says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Everybody is part of God's creation. Everybody that's born has the image of God ingrained upon their DNA, the Imago Dei. But not everybody's a child of God. That's why it's so important, church, that we share the gospel with others. Because those in our little corner of the world that are not children of God are destined right now not to spend forever with God in heaven, but to spend eternity in a place called hell. That's a big deal. The other thing, though, I see when I read these verses is it, it gives me a change in status, a big change. A, a change that in our country some, some people experienced at a moment in history. He said, you're no longer save, slaves but your children. 
Think about that. No longer slaves. What does that mean? If you're a slave, there's something that is lording over you. There's something that is mastering you. And what we've learned from Paul is that we were mastered by our sin. We were mastered by those decisions that we want to make. But we're no longer that way when we become a follower of Christ. We are part of the family of God. But most importantly, you see, it's a change in relationship. It literally speaks of adoption Listen to this in the Roman context of an adult son. There are a lot of great stories of adoption in our, fam- in, in, in our church family. But usually, they're not stories of adopting an adult son. But in the Roman context, that's what a person would do if, if they wanted to make sure their line was perpetuated to others. In in fact, the theologian F.F. Bruce, one of the great scholars of the New Testament, he said that in the first century, an adopted son was deliberately chosen by an adoptive father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. He was in no way inferior in a status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature, and they might enjoy the father's affection more fully and reproduce the father's character more worthily. So what Paul wants us to know is that God adopted us which means he chose us. Do you understand that today? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God chose you. The first grade teacher was talking to her class and the word adoption came up and she wanted to make it a teachable moment. So she said, class, do you understand what adoption means? And little Susie raised her hand and said, I, I do. And she said, okay, Susie, what does adoption mean? She said, well, I'm adopted. And, and, and my mommy told me, That adoption means that I grew in her heart even though I didn't grow in her tummy. And I think about that theologically, and and, and that is what adoption means. That that God had such a love for us, the Bible says, he demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God chose us to come and to be a part of his family. Speaks of intimacy. That's why we have those words Abba, Father, the Spirit of God gives me a chance to cry out and depend on my spiritual daddy that way. That's what that word Abba means. Our, our little girl is about to turn 10, but our four boys, I mean, they're, they're all men now. And sometimes I miss just hearing their little prepubescent voices say, Daddy. At least one of them, though, I'll call him on the phone, and he knows that. And every time I call, he just picks up the phone, and he says, Hey, Daddy. I love it. I hope it, I hope it never stops. Why? Because it, it's a term of affection and, and intimacy. Well, had Jesus ever used those terms? Yes. In fact, the two times where we have the prayers of Jesus recorded, he says this. You know one of them. In the model prayer, he begins by saying, Pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when Jesus was heartbroken for the world, but also he was heartbroken over what he was going to experience, you know what he cried? Daddy, if it be your will, just don't make me go through it. Take this cup away from me. It's an intimate term. And the Holy Spirit of God gives you 
the ability to relate to him in that way. He's not some distant deity. You don't have to duck and cover when you come before God. You approach the throne of God with boldness because you know of his great love for you. The question is, have you been adopted into his family? Are you living as the child of a king? Okay, when the Spirit lives in us, we have a new focus. When, when the Spirit lives in us, we have a new family. And when the Spirit lives in us, we have a new future. We're going to talk a lot more of this in the coming verses, but look at what it says at the beginning of verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so now if we're God's children, we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. Oh, what does this mean? Well, because of the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us, we can have assurance. Romans is going to speak to this more and we'll cover it more, but do you have assurance in your faith? God doesn't want his children to live doubting whether or not he loves them. As a parent, can you imagine that? Could you imagine wanting your children to wonder whether or not you love them? No, you want them to have no doubt about that. God feels the same way about you. He wants you to have the assurance. So the book of Ephesians tells us that we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, and then the Holy Spirit of God seals us until the day of redemption. He lets you know that you're here. That's what it means in Romans 8 when it says he testifies, he witnesses that we are him. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. So that means when you began that relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit indwelt you and said, yep, this is one of ours. He gives you that assurance. But secondly, he gives you abundance. Did you hear that phrase? Co-heirs with Christ? I mean, I mean, can you even begin to think about that? We have a faith that says at the core that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. That means that all God has to offer is available to you. Why don't we live that way, church? Why don't we live as if we really believe that we have the abundant life? That's why Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. That's why later when he talked about abiding in him, he said, when you abide in me, you don't just have fruit and and you just don't have more fruit. You've got much fruit. You're overflowing with fruit because I'm going to give you everything that I have. That's why Jesus said, why would a father not give everything he had? So you should ask and it'll be given to you. Knock and it'll be open to you. Seek and you'll find why don't we live that way because of the spirit we have assurance we we have abundance but get this church we have a promise and the promise is, is that this is not all there is so we're about to get into a passage of the scripture that reminds us that we're going to have suffering on this side of heaven and it shouldn't be a surprise anybody who's told you otherwise is a liar any preacher that's told you otherwise is a liar. Anybody that's told you if you just do these things or live this way, you're not going to have bad things happen to you, they're liars. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? 
You're going to have trouble, but have no fear because I have overcome the world. And so here he says, you're going to fellowship with Christ in the sufferings, but then you're also going to fellowship with him in the glory. Aren't you thankful for the promise of heaven? Aren't you thankful that when this life gets overwhelming, you can remember that this life is not all there is? Yeah, I'll fly away one day. Oh, glory. Well, some of you know a little bit of our story. Let me close with kind of helping you understand how this fits together in a practical way. Several years ago, we had had a day in our church where we focused on James 127. This is pure and undefiled religion that you take care of the widows and the orphans. We, we came back into this room on Sunday evening and we partnered with one more child, the Florida Baptist Children's Home, and we had people talking about adoption and people talking about foster care and people talking about human trafficking and how we fought that and people talking about the pro-life movement. Man, it was a good day. It was a great day. As a pastor, that's the kind of day you went home and you thought, man, we did the right stuff today. And so I went home, and I'll never forget this. I, I turned to Kimberly, and kind of with some fear and trepidation, I said, hey, babe, wasn't that a great day? Yeah, it was a great day. I said, well, you know, I, I really asked people to really search within and say, is, is God calling you to do anything? I said, you, you know, I know we've got our four boys, and they're growing up, and, you know, we can see empty nests and through the binoculars. I mean, it's coming. Is God telling you anything? And literally, I think she said this. I think she said, nope, I'm good. And I was like, thank you, Lord. For... I mean, thank you, Jesus. I mean, yeah, me too. I said, I'm good. The next day, listen, the next day I got a call. It begins with a call. This adoption into the family of God, it begins with a call. You don't start it. He initiates it, remember? He chooses us before we ever choose him. I, I got a call, and the person on the other end of the line said, Hey, Pastor, you know, you think there's anybody in our church that would be open to foster care and adoption? And I'm like, What? Were you here yesterday? I mean, yeah, we that's that's the whole focus of yesterday. I, I've got a list. Let me go over here to one of these offices and get a list. And then listen, if I'm lying, I'm dying. The Holy Spirit of God in me put a pause in me. And I interrupted myself. I said, Second thought, give me 24 hours. Let me get back with you. That evening, I went home 24 hours later, and I said to my wife, hey, I got this call today. This was a situation. You think that could be us? And she said, I think that's us. Listen to me. What started with a call was followed by a choice. So what God was calling us today to do, we then chose to come alongside him and get involved in. But that's not the end of the story, is it? <laughs> we made that choice. This precious little girl came into our home, and guess what? It has been a commitment. I mean, this is a big deal. It's not easy. This is a commitment. And, and that's the way it is for you and me. When God calls you to be a part of his family, you've got to decide what you're going to do. A, a lot of you, you've made the choice to follow after Christ. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit indwelt you. 
now, now you need to begin to follow through in the commitment to live led by the Spirit of God. Life in the Spirit of God. And that's what I'm praying for you today. But listen, some of you, the light came on in the last few minutes. God's calling you. You know the truth. You know that you're a sinner separated from God, that Jesus loves you so much that he died for your sins, that he wants to have a relationship with you, that he's calling you. But you've never truly made the choice to accept him as your Lord and Savior. I believe this is the day of your salvation. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.